Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I think it is player first. I think it's I think it is a lot of like ultimately I'm going to make the decision on what plays get called and what we're going to do, but you're going to have a big influence on it there's a lot of stories about McVay sitting down with Stafford and Cup and those guys having a lot of say in the offense but I was told that having the players be anything other than subjects under your dictatorship is actually not the way to go Mm. weren't you wait a minute I thought you'd heard the same things how could Mike Tomlin possibly let these guys have any say so well he gave Kenny that little office right that didn't really go by the way Bill Belichick's a dictator how many jobs does he get in this offseason um all right, so here is what the guy said on Thomas Brown. This is the L.A. perspective on Brown. Thomas Brown went from Rams running back coach in 2020 to assistant head coach in a year due to his confidence and ability to challenge McVay. This is not a yes man. He will challenge the head coach and tell him if he disagrees, and Sean loved that. I'm sure Mike will as well. That is music to my ears. This is the first Mike guy they what, interviewed. Do you think Mike would be uh, amenable to being I challenged? I mean, the guy's got to have a reputation, I'm sure, because of Tomlin's uh, relationship with McVay. They're both guys that come from the Gruden tree of coaches. I mean, it tells it, me that if they hired Thomas Brown at one thing, he would have full autonomy over his offense. And if Mike said to him, even in-game probably, or in-game planning – I want to do this, and Brown thought it was a crap idea for the offense, he would tell him so. I don't know if he'd have full autonomy, but he wouldn't just say, all right, Mike, you're right, let's Which you know, I think Matt run Canada the ball did. here. I think Matt Canada did, even though you would get a peek behind the curtain at Matt sometimes, or he just was clearly frustrated. Right, everyone reports that, that, that Canada, that Tomlin gave him, These are what this is what I want in the offense, now build that offense, and Canada did a lousy job of building an offense on the principles that Tomlin wanted and and was looking for Mm -hmm. so there's blame to be shared there I think it still mostly falls on Canada because he was just incompetent Um, and then Feekner was just a yes man to Ben and Tomlin I mean he was a total lackey so this would be the first we know that Todd Haley was that way Mm -hmm. that ruffled feathers with the quarterback I think more than anybody else which is the only reason Todd Haley got sent packing correct well not the only reason but by far the biggest reason if the quarterback liked Todd Haley, he still would have been their coordinator as long as he wanted to, or that quarterback liked him is my point. I agree with that. Um, all right, back to what this Rams insider said about Thomas Brown. He loved it. Uh, McVay loved 
Brown's approach to coaching so much, he moved him to tight ends coach in 2022 with the hopes of developing developing him further to take over as the eventual offensive coordinator. But then Carolina hired him. Uh, worth noting, the Rams moved on from him. Moved, uh, hold on here. Oh, so at, at, at 2022, he was coaching running backs, tight ends, and the assistant head coach. They gave him three titles. Uh, both are considered very bright young minds. Robinson would lean more towards the passing. Uh, uh, Brown would lean more towards the run game. Robinson would lean more towards the passing game. Either guy, had, both guys have head coaching upside is what I got here. Uh, the Rams didn't run the ball especially effectively in 2022. They also didn't really try to. Well, they didn't try to. They didn't Stafford do was well. hurt. He was I mean, hurt. that season yeah. was just a complete disaster. If you go back their to offensive line was in so shambles. 2021, they also didn't run the ball that well. Like 20s, 25th or worse in yards, touchdowns, and yards per attempt. But with a healthy Stafford, would you really want a team to be hyper-focused on running the football? No, you would not. Uh, so those are the scouting reports there. Steve Palazzolo will give us one on Zach Robinson because Zach Robinson, much to the chagrin of Steelers fans, worked at Pro Football Focus. And that's where Steve works now. Quick aside uh, here before we get back into the coordinator search stuff with Steve. Do you think that the Chargers are going to win a Super Bowl with Jim Harbaugh? Yes. You do? Yes. Even with their Chargers curse of having Fouts and having Rivers and having Herber and never I think making it to a Super Bowl with... I think they've guys. had real problems with, like, culture there. Not even necessarily due to Herbert, just because, yeah, it's kind of what you described. The Chargers are the Chargers. I think Jim Harbaugh is a grade-A weirdo. I also think he is a hell of a football coach. He well, I think Saban him... was a hell of a football coach, but, but Jim has tra- translate to the NFL. Jim coached in the damn Super Bowl. I know he did, but he has gotten a lot weirder since. He Jim really Harbaugh, has gone off the weird I'm deep sorry. end, Chris. I'm sorry. You have a team with Alex Smith and Kaepernick, and you have them rolling, and you have them within basically a throw and catch by Crabtree and Kaepernick of winning the Super Bowl. Uh, you have my endorsement as a guy that has chops at both levels. I think when you've had actual success at the NFL level, you don't come in getting questioned maybe the way Saban did. I also think, I know Saban obviously had a long NFL background on Belichick's staff and all that. I know Saban didn't just appear in the NFL for the first time when he got the Dolphins job, but I think he went in there trying way too much to be like a college-style hard-ass. I do think one of the things about Harbaugh that makes him a good coach is he seems pretty player-friendly. Like, he seems to have built that program at Michigan about, like, empowering his players. He had J.J. McCarthy sitting under the goalposts every day doing, like, or every for every game, listening to a certain Hertz, like, static noise or something in his earphones because he was meditating. I'm serious. Go look it up. I think it's 963 Hertz, some sort of frequency he was listening to. Harbaugh was doing all those satellite camps. He slept at that kicker prospect's house to yes, try to recruit Yes, very him. weird. Back to what I said before. But you know what? He's is a he strange is, bird. Was he weird like that in the NFL, or did he just win? Did you hear he's, any stories like that? Because the guy he took over for eventually, right, dropped trow in front of the team to illustrate how they were playing. He's won everywhere he's been. San Diego State, Stanford, the Niners, Michigan. He's gonna. He has a guy who is way closer. Actually, you know what? Justin Herbert is a unicorn-level talent on the level of Allen and Mahomes and Jackson and guys like that. He'll win with them. All right, so where would you rank Harbaugh and Her- and Herbert among the 
and the AFC quarterback coach combinations behind Reed and Mahomes. Behind Reed and Mahomes. Would you put it ahead of Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh? No, not yet. Me neither. I'd, I'd grudgingly put it behind Allen and McDermott, even though I think they would benefit a lot from having a, an offense. I disagree. I would put Harb- Harbaugh and Herbert I think Mc, ahead of them. I think McDermott's a bad coach right now. I just don't, I don't, I don't buy I'd him. I'd put Harbaugh and Herbert ahead of Burrow uh, and Taylor? Ahead of Burrow and Taylor, yeah. So you like Harbaugh. So you just got done doing all this devil's advocacy about what a weirdo is. You clearly think he's a great coach? I do. Then why did you just make me go through and well, defend Well, because there is part of me that that watches the, who's got it better than us? Nobody. And thinks, great little thing for 19-year-old kids. I don't but think. But he didn't do that when he was with the Niners. He just coached like a regular ball I don't coach. think Joey Bosa is going to get a big kick out of that. I don't think that's going to motivate but, Khalil Mack to go out there and sack But he didn't do that when he times. was with Frisco the last time. He just coached like a normal guy. He also missed a big chance yesterday. They should have, like, announced it somehow that he was their head coach at a P.F. Chang's. Are you familiar with the tweet? The old no, I chart? know that Mark Davis likes no, 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 no. There's a very old tweet that gets retweeted every so often. Whoever was running the Chargers social account, I don't think that the team always had dibs on that account. And so there's an old tweet from 2007 when no one was using Twitter that just said, so hungry, got to get my wife and go to P.F. Chang's. And the Chargers have never deleted it. Hmm. And I think they are smart enough to know that people find the tweet funny, so they just leave it up there so people can send it back out. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Fan Hotline is presented by Sullivan Super Service, Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC provider for over 50 years. In a half hour, Thomas Brown, Steelers offensive coordinator candidate with us. Stay tuned for that. Zach Robinson, the first name that came out of the abyss. The Steelers have put in a slip to interview him, the passing game coordinator in L.A. Before that, he worked for Pro Football Focus. And a senior football analyst for PFF joins us right now, our friend Steve Palazzolo. All right, Steve, what's Zach Robinson like? Before we get into the X's and O's stuff and his football brain, what kind of guy is he? What's his deal? Great guy. Good friend of mine. Zach and I are close. I mean, we, uh, we did a podcast together when he was here. We, had, uh, we called it the Big Time Throwcast, which I think is a great name. But, uh, yeah, we talked QBs all the time from a podcasting perspective. He was with PFF for a few years, and I'm sure that would have everybody in shambles if a former PFFer was calling plays for the Steelers. Well, that gets to a crucial point. Uh, will he be prepared for the interview question whenever he does sit down with the Steelers of – 
should T.J. Watt win Defensive Player of the Year? And if he goes to pass rush win rate, they're going to throw him right out the door on his ass like it's in a cartoon or something, Steve. I trained Zach. I trained him in our system, in our ways. We're contractually obligated to take Miles Garrett over T.J. Watt. Chris Collinsworth put it in our contract. We have to do it. So, Chris, uh, I mean, Zach will know. He'll know the right answer, of course. What are what are his fingerprints like? You've watched the Rams. You know his job there, passing game coordinator. When you watch them play offense, what are the things that, to you, a good friend of Zach Robinson's, look like they've got his fingerprints all over it about that particular team's passing attack? Yeah, so uh, the other thing I'll add, too, Zach trained Mason Rudolph, you know, both Oklahoma State guys. He trained him before the draft, so he, he knew Mason pretty well. Um, you know, the Rams, the Rams have done a nice job over the last few years of adjusting. Um, there was a point in Sean McVay's career, they ran up against the Patriots in the Super Bowl where his offense hit a bit of a snag, you know, late 2018, even into 2019. And I, they, they've come out of that. They've adjusted. They've changed from this wide zone scheme to a little bit more, you know, gap runs. They've done a better job of using motion and they've evolved their offense around Matthew Stafford. When they went from Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford, they have, they have changed it. Zach really had his hands a lot on third down and their third down concepts and a lot of the creative stuff they've done getting Cooper Cup open down the field with double moves and some of the uh, just the downfield route concepts that they've that, that they've used and then the adjustments off of those routes um, I think they've done a nice job and I think Zach had his hands in a lot of the third down stuff over there with the Rams so I, I've been impressed with how much that offense has evolved over the last few years when there was a point where I think McVay needed to change and uh, they've done a nice job doing that the last couple of seasons. Steve, you guys have gotten killed, and we talked about this last week for the grading stuff with what J.J. Watt said. It sounds to me like, at least for a couple of years, Zach Robinson did a lot of your quarterback grades. Is that fair? Yeah, we would have uh, we have a two-run process. You know, two people will go through and grade the plays. And, and Zach, um, I was on the team with him, but, like, Zach would do probably about 90% of the games going and putting the final grade, checking every single quarterback grade. That was before Bruce. Uh, started doing that as well for a couple of years. Um, but Zach was, you know, he had his hands on all of our QB grading for the few years that he was with us at PFF. Steve, I know you guys have a rubric that, that makes what you do possible, so there's not really room for bias. The whole thing is that it's supposed to take bias out of the equation. But when you would just talk ball with Zach and it wasn't we're grading this guy's tape, what were the traits that he valued in a quarterback? I'll tell you what, I mean, he, he noticed, I think natural playmaking, if a guy really just just feels the game well. You know, he was with us when Patrick Mahomes was coming out, and he, he was a huge Mahomes fan. And um, I, think he, I think his comp for Mahomes was Sammy Baugh. I mean, he was, like, firing up, like, Sammy Baugh, like, uh, YouTube videos. And just autogram at you for other guys? Yeah, what it was. What was he doing here, Sid Luckman? It was hilarious, and I think he was right. Um, it, but he, I, I think it's the natural feel for the game. I think he's watching how a quarterback plays within structure, but then outside of structure, just, just how much it's, uh, how is it mechanical or does he just see it and feel it? Um, so I think from an eval standpoint, that was a big one for Zach. And then just like the, you know, he doesn't get caught up in arm strength necessarily, but you know, how a guy throws the ball, is it loose? Is it whippy? Can he, a whippy arm is, uh, can he, uh, you know, make all of the types of, not this hashtag, you know, all of the throws that the scouts will say, but, you know, layer it when you need to, put zip on it when you need to. I think all of that stuff is, is important and stuff that came up when we were evaluating QBs. 
based on what he, you know of Kenny Pickett's career thus far, I'm sure Zach wants an OC job. Do you feel like Kenny Pickett would check a lot of the boxes that Zach would find important? Yeah, I mean, my, my take on Pickett is always that he's solid. And I think if you get if you do get some some freebies, some open throws, I think Pickett can execute that. I think the question is going to be um, that balance of, of playing within structure versus outside of structure. And, you know, some of the lulls, uh, look, I, I don't think Matt Canada, I, I don't think the offense was doing any favors, but we all talked about all the plays that, you know, a fourth and two where Pickett may have had an open receiver and bailed from a pocket, right? Like all of those types of things um, still exist. And I think you have to just find that balance. And um, if you do have an offense that is creating more open throws, especially over the middle of the field um, or to your slot receiver where there's some space, I think Pickett can execute that. It's just a matter of, getting him to trust that offense, play within that structure a little bit more. And then when he does need to break the pocket and make some plays, you know, I think he, you know, Pickett's shown that, that he can do that as well. Steve, the thing you brought up on your own that makes it really interesting if they go with Robinson is the Mason Rudolph factor, right? Because these guys went to the same college, and you mentioned Robinson tra- trained Rudolph before he got drafted. There's got to be some inherent bias there. He's got to at least like the guy on a very personal level. Level you would think, right? Um, I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, when you're at this level, I don't know how much that influences things. We'll say. I'll say. I don't know if that's going to be like, oh, you know, I know Mason, and you know, he should be our starter going forward. I don't necessarily foresee that being the case. But yeah, I think the relationship aspect certainly helps, especially if. You bring Rudolph, in, you know, back as a backup or whatever it might be. I don't think that necessarily means they'd be building the franchise around him or anything. You know. All right, Steve. Are you hoping Hulk Hogan enters the Royal Rumble for the first time since 1992? Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be good to see him there. I got the '91 Rumble on in the background over here while I'm working. A little throwback. Steve. Well, Pony was at the '92 Rumble. Can give you all 30 participants in order when Ric Flair won the strap. Yes. Uh, Steve, if it's a you. Great one. Wait, could you do it right now, Pony, off the top of your head? Steve loved the AFC title games thing. He did? Yes, he was obsessed. We have a couple minutes here. Do you think you could actually pull this off? I will get the entrance I don't list. know. I don't think so. You I'm, don't think so? I'm thinking about it off he, the top he of my head. He says this every time, and then, he, and then he'll rattle through all 30. Steve, if you oh, were man. stuck for an entire week of your life with the curse of you're only talking in Hulk Hogan's voice and cadence or Macho Man's, what would you rather have? Oh man, Macho Man is a strain. It's a strain on the voice, but it's funny. It's not, imagine for you, it's not a strain for that week. You're just gonna talk. Oh yeah, you got the toast. Yeah, you gotta go. You gotta go, Macho Man. You gotta go, Macho Man. Hogan's nice, uh, but Macho Man is is just classic. All right, Steve, you're the best. We'll talk next week. Thanks, man. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Steve Palazzolo, PFF. I think we have to do something for Steve next week. I think you have to try the rumble thing. With I him. think I can do it, but I just we're at a time. No, I know. Maybe we just say, Steve, forget about the interview. If nothing's happening on the OC search, forget about this interview, Steve. Pony is about to name the 92 rumble. That music means it's time for the Donnie Football Debrief, his unique look at football from a football guy, Donnie F. Football. The Take debrief, away, January 25, 2024. Uh, this piece put out uh, from our pals at Barrett Sports Media, Andy Mazur, 
Uh, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Put that out uh, 16 hours ago. Looks like a total hypothetical because of uh, con contract issues that I would assume uh, would be a major blockage here. But he posed the question, if Tom Brady bumps Greg Olson out on Fox, should CBS pair him with Jim Nance and kick Tony Romo to the side? So I'm actually very excited that this was your debrief subject because I get the same email we all get from Barrett every morning, and I usually skim through to see if any of the stories catch my interest, and that one did. I read it. I agreed pretty much wholeheartedly with it, um, and I think that they should. You know, money is money, and Romo is owed a lot of it by CBS, but they really hitched their wagons to a broke-down horse here that doesn't want to do any of the work. Olsen, I think, is just much more reflective of what the average fan wants. Like, Troy Aikman's the number one guy on Monday Night Football with Buck, even though he says the word job 832 times per broadcast because he analyzes the action. And if he's going to do a little personality-driven stuff, it's only very much here and there. Olsen strikes me as the same guy. Romo, as uh, Andy Mazur points out there, he can still analyze the plays if he's actually focused, but he's like trying to corral a little child. And then in between plays, it's just bizarre listening to him ramble. Like it sounds like an incoherent drunk guy at the bar sometimes. So yeah, if I were CBS for Nance's sanity and to make a better broadcast for my number one team, I'd absolutely do that. I think they want him raw. I don't think they want to coach him. I think they want him to be natural Tony Romo, whatever pops into your head, whatever you see immediately on the field, react to it right away. Don't try to put him in a box. Don't try to get him better at the nuts and bolts of doing the job because I think they feel like that's the best version of him. There was definitely, a, uh, that was an appealing trait he had when he first broke in. I think the act is worn a little thin. However, I do think he's been better this year. Uh, I mean, he did nail what was going to happen in the fourth quarter of that AFC divisional round game. You know, some people think that that was evidence of a uh, script. Of a script, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but he, the, him nailing stuff like that, it used to be just, wow, I can't believe how good okay. this guy is. But with him being so bad in between that, it falls by the wayside that he got it right, for me at least. I find him to be a very difficult watch. Okay, Chris, and I... I there are definitely things about him that get on my nerves, but it seems like he genuinely enjoys and has fun calling games. Okay, there's I, not a stick in the mud. Sure, I agree. Funny duddy. Oh my God, Jim, it's unbelievable. I enjoy doing this job. If you knew that I was showing up at 158, putting in no work whatsoever, and that you had to routinely correct me because I didn't even know. Like I, we came in and talked about Thomas Brown today, and I went. Well, you know, he did a great job as the Patriots wide receivers coach, and then you had to continually jump in like that. You only have to do that like 20% of the time as is. Would you be happy with the work I was doing? You'd say, no, he's not even trying. It doesn't matter that I come in here with a smile on my face. I don't think they want him to have paralysis by analysis. I think they want him to Then have they should have let him call out the plays before they happened because they told him to stop doing that because I think they got complaints. I, it's almost like he's been told, don't do... We don't want you to do too much prep because we don't want the, your head full of numbers and it stats sounds, and information. Well, it and sounds stuff. like a rinky-dink broadcast, though, with him just like stumbling and, and kind of like doing Webster's defines football as his whole way through the, the broadcast. He sounds like Billy Madison half the time. 
trying to do the final speech before business ethics comes well, up. Well, I think that's... It's not endearing, I think, to me or a lot of other well, people. I'm going to say something right now about Nance. I think that I think Ian Eagle would be a better play-by-play guy for Romo because I he think he can play along. I think I think I think Eagle it, thinks faster on his feet. I think he's better at like just the. He doesn't take himself as seriously. Well, then they might as well just get Dave Pash to do it because that guy's been working with Bill Walton all these years. Well, okay, so that's the. Okay, so the other side of that is you have a straight man in Pash and Walton, and I and it works. Nance is not. I don't know. It's just the way that he, he's not the type of straight man who I think brings out the best in Romo. That's all. I, I don't. I don't get that impression from him. Do you think Buck would even do a better job with Romo? Yes, I do. I do. But I, I think just, Buck in recent years has also let his guard down and his facade down. It isn't trying to be his dad anymore, and it's just, this is who I am. This is my personality. No, Buck is more the jokester on that pairing with Aikman now. Yep. And has gotten Aikman to come out of the shell a little bit and be, like, a, you know, not an Like, I don't think Tariko would be a good fit with Romo because Tariko is so technical, and he's so good at getting the detail. Like, I think... Tariko I, and Collinsworth are an excellent pair, though. I think, I think Kevin Harlan's well head would explode working with Romo. I think he gets so annoyed... By Romo stepping over him and not knowing yes. exactly the right time to come. I don't think Tony's good at it. I'm not saying I could sit there and do a great job, but I, I think he's bad at the job now. And I think Olsen's really good at the job and would be a good, to that end, would be a very good pair with Nance because they both play it straight and give you just big game, well thought out analysis. Olsen also manages to do it quickly and without like talking like a guy who thinks he's smarter than everybody. I think Brady is going to be fascinating the way he goes about this if he actually gets the job. Well, is he going to prep hard or not? Because he was a gym rat as a player. Is he going to prep really hard? Because if he does, you know what he's probably going to do? Go out there and be absolutely withering. Well, that's like the guy that won the U.S. Open at Oakmont, Johnny Miller. Wouldn't he just destroy golfers yes. and that's why they hated him? They hated him, but you know what? I Maybe early in life I, I kind of thought like that was kind of weak by him, but I love that he got those guys so mad. Because he would basically go on the air and say things like, these guys are so bad at managing the course, if I didn't have like the yips or could make a five-foot putt, I could go out there and beat them because so many of them are I, so mentally I would have told you before Brady got to Tampa Bay that he would be like Joe Montana levels bad or Jim Kelly levels bad at this job. Now I'm not as convinced of that. I don't think he'll be as good as Peyton Manning in terms of that personality. But well, too much of Brady's like social media presence that people have enjoyed is just carefully crafted by a team that's probably getting paid a hundred, like you know, a million bucks to make him seem charismatic. Yeah, but when I've seen him in interviews and stuff now, Chris, there's a different guy there. I mean, he's well, no, I mean, obviously super proud of his own accomplishments and like. But he knows he won the divorce with Belichick, right? I mean, and the guy can chug a beer in like under two seconds. And he got drunk at that Bucks. Well, that's what I think parade. really won people over. They saw him me- needing to literally be carried because he couldn't walk. He's got his knee brace. He's chucking that Lombardi all over the harbor. I think that was endearing to people. Tom Brady, he gets hammered just like me and you. I think Olsen's got a little bit of the Kirk Herbstreet, uh, Joel Klatt thing going for him where he was not a good player. He was actually, I take that What are you back. talking about? Greg Olsen Hold was on. a really good tight end. But he's not, he's not Tony Gonzalez. He's not Shannon Sharp. Usually to rise to that level, you either have to be a quarterback or you have to be an all-time great. He's not. He's neither one of those things. To become a network's number one analyst, look at the history of the people that have done those jobs. You've got Super Bowl MVPs and Hall of Famers and things like that. 
Romo played for the Cowboys. That's his in. I mean, that's usually... Man, Olsen had a good career. Okay, but just good tight end usually does not turn into Network's number one I just think analyst. He, well, I think this is why I respect him and why... He's, he's good at TV. That's this I, is why I respect him, and I think he, I'm surprised you aren't giving this more credence. He basically has already said he thought it was just a one-year thing, like a fill-in thing. And he's taken that ball and run with well, it. Well, yeah, that's I know. That's why I do have respect. Romo's taken that ball and acted like it was a snap against Seattle in the playoffs. He's fumbled that damn thing, even though he's made a lot of money in doing so. Donnie, again, Donnie segment, and here you and I are just foaming at the mouth. <laughs> well, that's why well, no, I wanted. I wanted you guys to give your your thoughts on it. I think you got more than you bargained for there. I could talk about this for hours because Romo pisses me off so much. Donnie, does Romo still piss you off? I think he's really gone downhill. Yeah, I mean, he's I was I, I, I was one of those people whenever he first came around in like 2017, 2018, thinking like, wow, he's outstanding, like right off the bat. And I think that's because he was so close to just being done playing. Like he still had so much uh, inner knowledge of the game, like as a quarterback. And I, I do think, even though he does kind of predict, like he'll predict like big picture things. Like the other day, you point out, oh, he expects the game to slow down a little bit in the fourth quarter. The offenses will get held up. Uh, he can still pull things like that in the in the occasional play, but otherwise, he, he's like fallen behind the game so much in just those five or six years that it, it sounds so bad now, and it just sounds he, like cartoonish and ridiculous at times. I mean the. He the gets the, basic the, game the gaff, management stuff wrong. Well, yeah, that, like, the, the gaff the other day about, like, he, he's trying to pull some historical context and he brings up the immaculate reception when it was the complete wrong play and not even the, the same teams involved. He meant the holy roller play. Like, yeah. that was all over the place. Like, I kind of just picture Jim Nance in the booth shaking his head mentally and or rolling his eyes mentally whenever Romo says some of the things he does. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.